frustrating but here I am again we're gonna redo and hopefully this one is gonna come out even better than yesterday yesterday's shear was a really gishmaka share this week's class is dedicated by the Smolyansky family and this is in honor of the 10th yard site of Naftali Smolyansky um, on the 24th of of Neshama have a very very great aliyah to the greatest of heights and we know that after 10 years, and every time you hit one of those marks of 10 or something like that, or 50 and things like that, the, the uh, alias of Nishamis are exponential on a much higher level. So it should be the highest aliyah, and may he channel, and as the aliyah is higher, so the capacity and the ability to channel blessings is from a much wider and higher and greater source. So may Hashem, may he, Hashem bless the Smolyansky family and may Naftali be a conduit to channel down the biggest blessings and all that is needed and all that wants. But we all are waiting so, 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 so strongly that we don't have to deal with Aliyah and Neshama in terms of Neshama's going up to higher spiritual realms. But on the contrary, as Hasidus always teaches us that the ultimate purpose and the ultimate reality is going to be down here in the most nether of all worlds, which is the physical, but on the other hand, it's where God's interest is the most. And that's where all the shamas are going to come back into this world to be physically alive. May Hashem grant us that beautiful moment now, now, and now. Thank you so much for the dedication. Okay. This week is Parshas Ekev. We're going to do a little different than I usually do. Usually, the uh, classes, you know, takes a concept in the parsha, and it's more like an inspiration share. <clears throat> this class today is going to be hopefully a dazzling class that's going to bring us a little bit into the world of mysticism, into the deeper world of Kabbalah and the like. The reason I am doing that is because it is also the yard site Chaf of, which begins tonight. Chaf uh, of is the yard site of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, the father of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was an extraordinary Goyen, genius in all of Torah, but exceptional Makubal. And his understanding of Kabbalah is on a level that is like, is, is beyond. He's a Goyen in Kabbalah. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who know Kabbalah, like Kabbalists, but this is like a Goyenist in Kabbalah. He was a Machadish, unbelievable Chidushim in Kabbalah. And his ability to be able to... <clears throat> make 
the most spectacular associations and explain halacha, stories of Talmud and Gemara and find their mystical, inner, Kabbalistic uh, meaning. And his, his books are literally dazzling. It's very hard to learn because they're very cryptic. Um, he passed away when he was sent uh, to exile as punishment the, 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 the Soviets after arresting him and putting him through hellish interrogations and then they sent him off uh, as, a, as, a, um, as an elderly person to a very very hostile area very very difficult and for a couple of years as a punishment for his work on, on keeping Yiddishkeit alive and then after he was actually released he passed away a little while later also but far away somewhere in the, in the east uh, somewhere in Russia in, at a far away place and uh, most of his writings didn't come out of Russia wherever they are they hopefully we'll find them one day but there were some of him that his wife Rebetzin Chana the Lubavitcher Rebbe's mother brought out with her and with that it was published as a book called Lakutia Levi Yitzchak I'm going to share with you some really really interesting fascinating ideas relating to Parshas Ekev particularly one part and that is the mitzvah of Tefillin the mitzvah of Tefillin is repeated two times <clears throat> actually four times in the Torah in Parshas Boi in the Parsha you know, right after Yetzirah Mitzrayim and then we have the mitzvah of Tefillin in the Parsha of Shema and in the Parsha of Vahoyim Shemoya Shema is last week's Parsha Parsha is Veschanan and Vahoyim Shemoya is this week's Parsha Parshas Ekev so being that Tefillin is associated with this week's Parsha we're going to talk about some of the mysteries of Tefillin their Kabbalistic meaning so that we can get a excitement when we put on Tefillin regarding Tefillin we know that um, generally tefillin is a set you put tefillin on your head you wrap tefillin on the head called tefillin shel rosh and then you wrap tefillin on the arm called tefillin shel yad it should be a sign on your hand and it should be for between your eyes um, so even though it's really one pair we know a lot of people have a minhag to wear two pairs of tefillin and that is because the uh, famous uh, uh, rabbis have an argument. Rashi has his opinion about what, how tefillin should be made. His grandson, Rabbeinu Tam, who was one of the Baliatosvos, argues with his grandfather, and he says that tefillin should be made differently. Now the halacha is accepted like Rashi. And therefore, all Jews that should put on and have an obligation to wear tefillin, and that is to put on the tefillin that are made in accordance to Rashi's view. Um, however, those that want to do the mitzvah in a extra beautiful and an extra mohuder dig away, will also don a second pair of tefillin called Rebbeinu Tam tefillin. That means that these tefillin are created and they're made in a different way than Rashi's tefillin is. What the difference is, we'll talk about soon. But, so there's an argument between Rashi and Rinotam in the tefillin. Now again, as I mentioned, Rashi's tefillin is obligatory on every Jewish male once over the age of bar mitzvah to put them on every day of his life besides Shabbos and holidays. And Rabbeinu Tam tefillin is something that is rishus. Chasidim wear Rabbeinu Tam tefillin. Generally, it's been a custom from the early days of the Hasidic movement, and, and, and people 
the basic idea is Hasidism came to inspire Jews to get a deeper excitement for Torah and mitzvahs, and as a result of that, it also brought along the Hidur mitzvah of wearing two pairs of tefillin. Some Hasidim start beginning, start wearing the second pair of tefillin at their chasana, and there are other Hasidim, like Breslev and Chabad, and I think some others, that already start wearing both pairs of tefillin at their bar mitzvah. Now, um, <clears throat> simply, it's seen just as a hidder mitzvah, you know, you want to be yaitza, you want to fulfill the obligation according to Rabbeinu Tam as well. However, as we're now going to see, that it's not just wanting to do the mitzvah in your obligation, that actually is, it has a whole different energy, Rabbeinu Tam tefillin, and it accomplishes something in the soul that Rashi's tefillin doesn't, doesn't do, that Rabbeinu Tam does. It's something that is not a requirement, but obviously it enhances one's connection to God if one does and able to wear the Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin. So what I would like to do today first is to analyze the difference between Rashi's tefillin and Rabbeinu Tam tefillin and to give a little mystical insight. And the differences, first of all, the main difference, let's first explain the main difference between Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam is in the order in which the parshios are placed in the tefillin. You see, on the hand tefillin, both in Rashi and in Rabbeinu Tam, there is only one, one parchment. It's one box and one parchment. And on that parchment, you write four parshios. The, the four portions that the Torah says has to be inscribed on a parchment, which is the parsha, two parshios in, 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 in Sefer Shemois, in the book of Exodus, parsha's bow. So over there it has a parsha of Kadesh li kol bachor, sanctify to me all the firstborn, and then vahayaki viyacha. And then after that, you have another two, two portions in Deuteronomy and Devarim, one of Vezchanan, as I mentioned earlier, Shema, and the other one in Ekev. So Rashi says, so that's in the hand tefillin, where they're all written on one parchment. Then there is the head tefillin, which if you take a look at the tefillin Shorosh, you will notice that on the tefillin there are four boxes. It's really one, it's from the outside it looks like one box, but there are, if you see on the tefillin, you'll see four grooves, and those grooves are in showing or indicating that there is a split uh, three grooves, I think, so because it's four, four, four compartments with three grooves, which that is showing that there are four, four different compartments on the tefillin. Each parsha is put in its own compartment. Now, the argument between Rashi and Rebbeinu Tam is in the order in which these parshios are placed. And everybody agrees that first you put Kadesh from Parsha's boy, Kadesh, and Vahoya Kiviyacha. No argument. Their argument is on the latter two parshios, the ones from Sefer Devarim, Shema and Vahoyim Shemoya. According to Rashi, we follow the order of the Torah, which Shema comes first because it's the uh, it's first appears first in the Torah and Parshas Ve'eschanon, and then Vahoyim um, Shemoya is the last one, and that is in Parshas Ekev, so it's the last one. According to Rabbi Tam, we switch that order and we put Vahoyim Shemoya in the third box, and Shema in the last, in the fourth box. That is the difference between Rashi's tefillin and Rabbi Tam's tefillin. In the Shalyad, where they're all written out in one, in one parchment, I'm not sure, I need to look it up, and sorry, I did not uh, check that out, if the order is also switched in the uh, hand tefillin. 
I would imagine that probably yes, because what, then we, if, if it wouldn't, then we, can only, then we would only have to switch to Shal Rosh when we're putting on Rabbeinu Tam. So there must be a difference in the Shal Yad as well. But again, I can't speak for certainty. But on the Shal Rosh, for sure, the order of the way these parashiyas are placed are different in Rashi and in Rabbeinu Tam. Okay, and as I mentioned earlier, so we need to understand what's the significance of this difference. If Shema'as first or Vahoyim Shema'as first. And the other different question is, um, why, um, why, why is it that Rashi's tefillin is an obligation and Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is a rishus? Rishus meaning if you want to do an extra hidr mitzvah, you could do it. No prohibition of putting on two extra pairs of tefillin. Two pairs of, actually, we don't make a bracha on Rabbeinu Tam, so there's no problem on Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin. But uh, the question is, why is it a rishus? Now, Kabbalistically, we know an interesting idea that Rashi's tefillin is drawing from a, an energy, it's drawing a flow of, 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 of godly, godly light from one level, and Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is drawing from a different level. And actually, the Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is channeling and bringing down, or as we like to use in modern terminology, it's downloading a higher level of divinity, of godly light, um, as we're soon going to see. If that's the case, then it should have been the opposite. Since it's a higher level of godly light, so it's greater. If it's greater, then it should be an obligation. We should have an obligation to wear Rabbeinu Tam, at least as much as the obligation to wear Rashi. Or if anything, Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin should be um, draw, uh, an obligation, and Rashi mandatory, and Rashi's tefillin should be optional, if that's the case. So, but, but, so, but when, we, when we really understand the ideas, these things will become clear. We'll also understand why it's related to Rashi, because we always know that the character and the, and the nature of a person's neshama is expressed in their name. So in, we'll see how Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is particularly connected to his name, Rabbeinu Tam, and Rashi's tefillin is particularly connected to Rashi, uh, Rashi, Rashi's name. So now let's, let's understand that. So here's the idea. In general, we know that the putting on of tefillin is a hamshacha called hamshachas hamochin. Bechlal, we have to realize that every mitzvah, is, when we're doing a mitzvah, we spoke about this many times, we're actually causing, a mitzvah is a, an attachment. A mitzvah is a flow. Mitzvah means attachment. And in every mitzvah, you're attaching yourself to God through the mitzvah. And something of the divine is being channeled into your soul. Uh, well, there are mitzvahs in which it's not about channeling, it's primarily about elevating. Through the mitzvah, the neshama has an ability to be elevated and rise up and raise itself up from the constrictions of this world and go beyond and reach, reach the heavens and beyond the heavens. But then there are mitzvahs that are called hamshachis. Hamshachis means you're drawing something down into your body, into your physical world. Instead of the person raising himself up to Hashem, Hashem is coming down and meeting you down here. Tefillin is primarily a hamshach. What are we being mamshach in tefillin? So, you see, it's interesting. Tefillin is put into, on the head. Keneged moach. it's next to the brain. That means that in our tefillin, we're actually channeling God's brains into our brains. We're bringing down, it's called hamshachas hamochen. We're bringing down the moyach. Moyach means brain, the mind of God. We're plugging into God's mind. 
and we're channeling God's mind into our mind. Now in the mind, what does it mean? Hashem really, say, someone will argue, well Hashem doesn't have a mind, Hashem is undefined. That's true. But Hashem did emanate from Himself spherot and attributes. And these attributes give God a certain personality. And through this personality is where Hashem relates to the creation. This is the concept of spherois. Spherois are one, unified with Him, even though they don't define Him. Because Hashem infinitely transcends the spheros, but yet when He decided to emanate these attributes, He doesn't emanate them as something other than Him, but rather as a way, as a means of expression. He expresses Himself through the spheros, or we can say Hashem assumes a personality. That personality is in a, in a, a personality, a human form. And just like a human being, the inner psyche of a human being is based on intellect and emotions, so to Hashem has intellect and emotions. Obviously, we understand that God's intelligence is infinitely, 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 beyond, 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 beyond. We have no, 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 no understanding whatsoever in God's intelligence. But we do know that it is similar to our intelligence in its general structure. So what's the idea? Because our minds are derived from God's mind, and Hashem created us in His image. So just like in a human being, the mochen that we have are, there's three mochen, chachma, bina, and das. Chachma is translated as wisdom, bina is translated as understanding, and das. So, but in general, so the tefillin is all about a, it's a powerful download of godly influence. So when we say, since that their mochen are, are three moichen, Chachma, Bina, and Das. So we're going to see later in the class if we have the chance. Das is not so much a moach onto its own, it's more of a connector. Das serves as a connector between the Chachma and the Bina, which are the two essential mochen, to the emotions. Das is the channel that connects intellect to emotion, mind to heart, brain to heart. So in, jet, so in truth, it's mainly two sides, two mochen the right side and the left side, Chachma and Bina. Now, Chachma is on the right side of the brain, and Bina is on the left side of the brain. And Chachma is called father, and Bina is called mother. Abba and Ima, father and mother. So now in brief, let's try to explain that a little bit. Chachma is, um, Chachma is on the right side of the brain. It's the creative mind. It's where creativity takes place when a person has a new insight, a flash, a, 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 an epiphany, an idea that just you know, comes into your mind, that's the chachma. And then the bina is the analytical side of the mind. The ability to break down information and to be able to define it with all kinds of definitions, to give it words, to give it metaphors, to, to, to see the details of everything. Chachma sees everything as a whole. It's like a, chachma is like a camera. It flashes pictures. It sees things. It takes a whole, the entire thing as one. Bina is the processing side of the mind that processes information bit by bit, analyzes everything, structures everything, and the like. That's why they're called father and mother. Because just like in the creation... Now, hold on, one more, one more idea. Together, the Chachma and Bina are called parents, father and mother. Well, their father and mother means there's children. Because as a result of the intellectual... Uh, Knowledge is a reload of the information that one is processing in their mind via their intellect. That uh, that results in emotions. That's what that's what excites us when we become aware of something, when we become familiar with a certain existence, a reality, a phenomenon, 
and then we judge that phenomenon if this is something wonderful and good that we should get closer to or this is something scary, frightening and intimidating that we should run away from. But if you don't have any knowledge, you have nothing to be scared about, right? So, or you have nothing to be excited about. Like we see it in, in all aspects. The more a person gets, the more a person gets to know of something that creates, that creates emotion. So the excitement, the emotion, uh, so the, therefore Chachma and Bina are called parents and um, the emotions are called children. Now just like in order to create a child, you can't have one parent to create a child, it requires two parents. And the way, which is a father and a mother, and there's an interaction between the father and the mother and that results in the child. So in this case it's as well. Chachma acts as the father, meaning it's just a point. Chachma is, a, is a, just like a father when creating a child. The father gives the entire child in one point. That's the seminal drop that comes from the father. It contains, it's the, it has within it the entire genetic code of the child, but only as one drop. The mother now takes that drop and develops that drop and turns it into a full-fledged human being with all the details pronounced. That's the idea of the mother. She fleshes out the child, bones, sinews, develops it, what a mother can do. Father gives an idea, a mother delivers, right? A full nine months later, and you have a full-fledged human being, a full baby with all the details. It's exactly what Chachma and Bina does. Chachma is the is the flash, is the new idea, it's the insight, it's the it's the it's the it's the the point. And Bina takes this and develops an entire structure out of it. The Chachma and the Bina. And that's the reason Chachma is called father and Bina is called mother. <clears throat> now in, when we say we're putting on tefillin and we're drawing God's mind down so there is a download that's happening from Chachma and there's a download that's happening from Bina now in general in every pair of tefillin even Rashi's tefillin on its own and the reason why it has four compartments we spoke four compartments is because as I mentioned earlier you're plugging into God's brain and in Hashem's brain there is Chachma on the right side Bina on the left side and then there is the Das now, what I mentioned earlier was that das is the channel that connects the moach, the brain, to the heart. That's why it says that das divides into two. It, because das, because there's two primary emotions. The emotion of love and the emotion of fear. Or as we sometimes call chesed and gavura, kindness and severity. Or in broader terms, we can understand the, the, the general attraction, the general response you can have to becoming aware of new phenomenon, of something new in the world, is you can either feel an attraction to it if it's drawing you, or you can contract. You don't. You're scared of it, or it's intimidating, or whatever it is. You contract away from it. That's that, that's the two primary emotions. And there is the sub emotions and the, all the details of emotion, harmonizing these two, these two reactions and balancing them. That's a, that that's already the details. But it's primary these two forces. That's why the das divides into two segments. And one of them is called, and like there are two types of children. There is boy, when you have a child, you can either have a boy or a girl. So the boy and the girl, the das includes them both, chesed and gavura. That's why das is really considered another two. So there's chachma, bina, das, which is another two. And that's the four compartments of tefillin. Chachma, bina, and the das. So therefore, every pair of tefillin that you wear, you're already connecting to all four energies. Chachma, bina, and the das, which splits into two, and you're downloading that into your mind. However, more specifically, Rashi's tefillin 
is primarily plugging in to Bina's energy, to the light coming from Bina. Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is primarily channeling into the Mayach on the right side, the creative mind of God, the Chachma light of Hashem. So now the question is, Chachma is higher than Bina. Because again, the energy is more intense in that first flash. Bina doesn't have anything. Bina doesn't have anything of her new. new. Bina is receiving this new insight that's coming to her from Chachma. If that's the case, then why is Rashi's tefillin an obligation, as I mentioned earlier, and Rabbeinu's Tam tefillin just a, uh, you know, uh, something that you can do? So in order to understand this, it's actually precisely because Rabbeinu's Tam's tefillin is higher. This is the idea that Rabbi Levi Yitzchak develops. That because because Rashi's tefillin, Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin, is channeling from a deeper and a higher place, Precisely because of that, it's not obligatory. So to understand this, based on a teaching that is spoken in Hasidus and elaborated by the Tzemach Tzedek, Third Chabad Rebbe, in which he talks about the idea of, of Tfilas Arvis Rishus. We say that we have three Tfilos that we have to daven every day. We have the Tfilah of Shachris, the Tfilah of Mincha, and we have the Tfilah of Arv, the morning prayer, the afternoon prayer, and the night prayer, the evening service. So we know that the first prayer was made by Avram Avinu. Second tefillah was made by Yitzchak, the afternoon prayer. And the third prayer was made by Yaakov Avinu. So here is an interesting idea. We know that shachris and mincha are an obligation. A person must daven shachris and you have to daven mincha. Mayriv, the evening service, is a rishus. Rishus means it's not an obligation to pray daven mayriv. It's something that a person is allowed to do. There's no problem with saying a blessing in vain because you're allowed to daven Mairev if you want to. Now, I want to very strongly emphasize, Shulchan Aruch, it says that today's days, we've accepted the prayer of Mairev also as an obligation. So we have to daven Shachris, Mincha, and Mairev every single, at least male Jew, needs to daven three prayers a day. Women uh, are have less... Uh, of of a obligation on Mayriv. And the question is how much women are obligated in prayer itself. I'm not, it's not a halacha class over here. But the idea is that Mayriv, when I say Mayriv is a rishus, what we mean is initially Mayriv was instituted in the time of the Talm, the time of the Mishnah, way back then, Mayriv was considered a rishus, a voluntary prayer. It wasn't an obligation. But Chakras and Mincha. So one would argue and think maybe that's because. It has lesser impact. It's the prayer of Mayrev is not such a high connection like Shachris and Mincha. And that's why it's, it's Erishos. But the Tzemach Tzedek explains that it's vice versa. It's actually total opposite. That the reason why Shachris and Mincha are an obligation is because one is connecting in a lower form of a connection. Mayrev is such a high connection that it can't be an obligation. So what's the idea? So he explains it like this. Obligation means you know, you're obligated to do it, but what that means, it means that you are compelled to, Hashem is compelling you to daven. But the deeper idea of that is that the spiritual energies that flow as a result of shachris and the result of mincha are something that we can compel those energies to descend. When you daven, you are starting a download. You are causing that energy to flow into your neshama. How do you have the koach to do that? Of course, the koach were given to that, the ability to do that. Who am I? I'm just a little physical human being. 
How can I cause a reaction in the highest, deepest spiritual realms, even higher than spiritual, godly realms, infinitely transcending our limited, finite uh, 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 existence? How can we trigger something so high? That's because God wired us up. By Har Sinai, Hashem wired us up to the deepest places. He said it, that we, as a Jew, have the ability to trigger all flow, all energies, all flow that flows into the cosmos. From above, is channeled through our mitzvah observance. Every mitzvah channels is like is, is downloading and causing and influencing another another element and another level of the divine. So we're able to do that. Now, however, he says, the idea that we say it's a, we're compelled to do it, it's mandatory, means that the when it, when you do the mitzvah, the your the your you're forcing, you're in a sense compelling the flow to begin. You're triggering it and you're making it happen. But then he says, there are certain energies of God that are just so distant and so removed from creation. They're so high, they're so transcendental that there isn't any action that a person can do even after we've been wired up to the highest places that can compel such, God, such, such, such trend, transmission, something so high. Since that we can't compel it, the only thing we can do is we can make ourselves into a vessel. We can do certain things that make us into a vessel, a container. That what? That if God chooses to channel, the channeling can happen. The channel must come from Hashem. It can come from our work that we're imposing, we're, we're, we're making it happen. We don't have access to such a deep place. And he says, that's the power of Tefillah's Arvis. The evening prayer is something that is coming from a transcendental place. The way he puts it over there is, these are oirois, these are lights that are not mislabesh bekelim. They're not enclosed in vessels. Generally, we know, as I mentioned earlier, that Hashem emanates and channels His light down through the spherot, the attributes. Now, the attributes are called the attributes are called vessels. They're called containers. And the idea of them being a container means they're giving some kind of a definition to the otherwise undefined infinite energy. So they're giving it. Oh, once the oir is in a keli, so the oir has already certain limitations and certain rules and regulations. And part of those rules and regulations are that if you plug in and you do so, 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 and so, and only Hashem with His infinite wisdom gave us the physical actions we can do that access these particular um, vessels and these energies that are in the vessels and thereby trigger that download to happen. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know if, if you, uh, in, the, in, the, in the greater we call the World Wide Web, wherever, things are stored. Different files, different things are stored. And if I want to access a file, well, I need to have a special code. When I, when I punch in exactly these codes and I put it in and I hit enter on my computer, boom, it's going to access that, that particular file and cause that to flow. Uh, but I have to know, you know, usually, so they send to the company, whatever it is, sends me that link. And when I put that link in, exactly that code, it will cause that. Same as also, Hashem gives us the exact mitzvah that causes that flow to happen. But that's as long as we're dealing with lights that are contained in vessels. But when the oirois that are not vested in vessels, they're higher than containers, those lights, I can't compel it to happen. Because th- there's no system that can systemize it. What we can do is, Hashem says, you prepare yourself. And when you prepare yourself, 
I, with my infinite love and kindness, will share that with you because I decide to share it. That's the concept of Rishus. When it says that Mayrev is Rishus, it's because it's a higher place. And he explains actually the reason why Dafka Mayrev. Because he says that we know Avram is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gevura. Avram represents Avram Avinu, who is the one who made Shachris. He's the energy of kindness. That's why we read about Avram Avinu. Where the Torah portrays him as an um, unbelievable kind human being. Yitzchak is the very disciplined power, the power of Gevura, of strength and might. And that's why Yitzchak was offered as a korban in a fire, which a fire is Gevura. I mean, in the end it was stopped, but that was the idea. And then we have Yaakov. What's Yaakov? Yaakov represents Teferis. Teferis is a harmony between Chesed and Gevura. Now it says the ability to be able to harmonize two opposite energies comes only from an infinite place. Because only the infinite has no limitations and therefore it can bring balance in a place where there is opposites. That's why it says that Yaakov, his energy reaches, he's in the center, Avram is on the right side, Yitzhak is on the left side, Yaakov is in the center, and in the center column rises all the way up to the infinite light. We said before, the or, the light that's not defined with any definitions, only that has the ability to make shalom, to make peace. In order to make peace between two opposites and bring balance and harmonize it. So in terms of God's body, if we can say, Avram is called the right hand of Hashem, Yitzchak is called the left hand of Hashem, and Yaakov is the body, the actual center, the torso, the middle. Now, when you cause a yichud, every mitzvah that we're doing, what are we doing? When we're doing a mitzvah, we're causing a yichud, we're causing a unification between God and the world, or in Kabbalistic terminology, between Hashem and the Nishamas, which means between Hashem and the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is the source of all of our souls. So when Hashem unifies with the Shekhinah, it's like an intimacy between a chassan and a kala, between a husband and a wife. That's that intimacy, that's that unification. And the main intimacy, even though there can be uh, 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 through the right hand, so one reaches out through their right or their left, which is the idea of an embrace, but the tr- real intimacy happens with the body itself from the, from the center. And that's why that's the deepest power, and it's the highest power. And that's why Tfilas Mayrev is so deep, and it's so high, and it's drawing from the Ein Sof, that it can't be drawn through. You can't compel it. It Tfilas Arvis is Rishus. It's something that you have permission to do, you can't, you can't force it. That's what the Tzemach Tzedek says. Based on that, Reb Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, who is actually a great-great-great-grandson of the Tzemach Tzedek. So he, he says, the same is the difference between, same idea is the difference between um, Rashi's Tfilin and Rabbeinu Tam's Tfilin. Rashi's Tfilin is taken from the side of Gevura, of the side of Bina. And and Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is coming from Chachma. What's the difference between Chachma and Bina? So similar to what we had just spoken about, this transcendental infinite light that's in the center, there's also similar to that, the difference between Chachma and Bina. Bina, as we said earlier, is the, is the left side of the brain, where you analyze things and you chop it up and you bring everything into order and into detail. That means that the, the, the energy is far more settled in containers and vessels. That's why in the Bina side of your brain, you have words. Words, you can explain it. Once a person has... See, let's just for a moment give an example. When a person is processing information, 
the first initial flash in your mind, if I stop you immediately, just assume, you know, you're sitting with your chavrusa and you're learning and you're stuck on something, on a tosvis, and, and then suddenly one of the two jumps up and says, oh, I got it. And if you stop that person at that moment and you say, okay, tell me. They say, wait, 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 wait. They don't want to talk to you. They're just lost in their, because they, they got it, but it means that they saw a certain flash. They saw the image. They're confident that it was resolved, but they don't have the words yet because it's the light, it's the energy. It didn't yet settle in containers. Only in Bina, it's full of kalim, it's full of vessels. So Bina is, is, therefore, since it's light contained in vessels, you can compel that light. That's why Rashi's tefillin is an obligation. Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is coming from the energy of Chachma. Chachma is not settled in vessels. It's light that is not yet contained. That's why the word Chachma actually means Koach, you take the word Chachma and divide it, Koach Ma, the power of what? You, don't, you can't define it yet. So it's an energy that's beyond vessels and therefore it's not so systemized and codified. So you can't compel it. You just wear the tzvillin and hope God is going to channel this transcendental light into Yenushama. Now he explains, we'll take a look and we'll see the names of Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam and associate with them. Let's start with Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam's name was Yaakov. That's his name. And his nickname, the way we refer to him, is Rabbeinu Tam. Now Tam is related to Yaakov. Tam is tough, tough mem. What does it say by Yaakov as soon as the Torah describes the difference of Yaakov and Esau? It says Yaakov ish Tam. So here you have Rabbeinu Tam, whose name is Yaakov, and by him we call him Tam, which it says about Yaakov. Tam means wholesomeness. And we know that Yaakov's neshama is related to Teferis, but also if you dig deeper in, the, in Kabbalah and you look at the source of Yaakov's neshama, is that Yaakov is plugged into Chachma. In the intellectual realms, Yaakov Avinu's neshama is related, is emanating from Chachma. And that's why his name is Yud Ekev. The uniqueness, the uniqueness of Yaakov Avinu was that he who had the ability, his neshama, to be able to channel the most transcendental, infinite, undefined energies of Chachma all the way down, 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 down here to the concrete world. And that's hinted to in the word Yaakov, Yud Ekev. Now by the way, the letter Yud is always an indication of Chachma. In Hashem's name, the Tetragrammaton is Yud Ke Vav Ke, which we know that the, in that name is, is hinted to all the spheros. So Yud is Chachma, He is Bina, Vav are the six emotions, and the latter He is Malchus, but Yud is Chachma. And it makes sense based on what we said before, that Chachma is that initial point, like a father giving just a point. It's that initial flash. It's a, it's a point, like a decimal point that has, doesn't have any shape or form. It's the starting of something, but you, it doesn't yet have, it's not fixed, it's not developed into any given, in any given form. Only in the Bina will it, will it, will it really get structure. In Chachma it's still a, it's a pure flash. So therefore it's an akud, it's a point. Yud Ekev means it brings that Chachma down, down, down. Ekev means the heel all the way down. And that's also the reason. Yaakov, as we said before, since he's plugging into Chachma, so he is the one who gives us a tefillah, a prayer that's reshus, that's a permissible prayer. Because as we said before, the oyer of Chachma is not defined. And also Rabbeinu Tam, whose name is Yaakov, and he has a connection to Yaakov Avinu because Yaakov is Tam, he is giving us which tefillin he gives us. He's the one who brought to us the tefillin that's bringing us the hamshacha from Moichen the Abba, from the Moichen of Chachma. Because, and we said before, and that tefillin is a rishus because such a high, lofty light 
You can't compel it. It has to happen on its own. Now let's take a look at Rashi. What's Rashi's name? Rashi's name is Rebbeinu Shlomo ben Yitzchak. So he says, let's, let's analyze that. Shlomo ben Yitzchak. So let's first place who Yitzchak is. Yitzchak, we said, versus Avram. Avram is on the right side. Yitzchak is on the left side. So Yitzchak is Gevura. Gevura is a sphere and an attribute that sits right beneath Bina. Bina is called the Shoresh of Gevurais. The root of Gevurais is in Bina. So, therefore, Yitzchak is associated in the Mochen level. Yitzchak is associated with the Mochen of Mother of Bina. And Rashi, who's Ben Yitzchak. But even, let's take that even a step deeper. And that is that... Um, it says when we wear tefillin, we said before, we're mamshich the mochen. We draw down from chachme and bina. Where are we drawing down the chachme and bina? We try, through putting on tefillin, we're trying to draw down the, the mochen, the chachme and the bina light down into the heart. We want to connect. The main point of tefillin is to unify the heart and the emotions. L'shabid ha-moach v'halev. And how do you unify, meaning you want to surrender your heart and your emotions to God. You surrender your emotions through the emotions. Generally, a person's emotions are all over the place. They're scattered. We love all kinds of things. We're attracted. We have all kinds of, of... We have all various different loves and we have various different fears and they're messed up a lot of times. They're to the wrong. They're, they're misguided. So the point of tefillin is we want to connect the intellect that we should have reason and godly reasoning, godly intelligence and connect that to our emotions, to harmonize. So the emotions, therefore Kabbalistically, the idea of tefillin is hamshachas hamoichen to the midos. Who are the midos? Chesed, Gevura, Teferes. These are the three primary midos, primary emotions. Now, there is a pasuk, I know it's a little complex, but this is good, because we have to get ready for Mashiach where all the secrets of the Torah are going to be revealed. And then we're going to be learning all this, this all day long, so it helps to get a little introductory class. So if I'm overwhelming you with information, don't worry, listen to it once or twice. It's, 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 not, that, uh, it's not that far-fetched. So there's a Pasuk in Shira Shirim. It says, Te'eno arena, go out and see Bemelech Shlomo. Go look at King Shlomo. Go see the crown that his mother gave him. That's what it says. So the, the Medrash says, Chazarnu akola mikra, we ran around, we, 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 we reviewed all of Scripture, all of Torah, and we haven't found anywhere where it says that Shlomo Amalek's mother, King Solomon's mother, made him a crown, that Bacheva, Shlomo's mother, ever made him a crown. So therefore, the Medrash says that who is the Shlomo? Shlomo is referring to God. Shlomo Amalek is referring to Hashem. Melech Shalom Shaloi. Why is he called Shlomo? The king that pieces to him. He's called Shlomo. Is his crown that his mother gave him on the day of his wedding. So, who, which, who's God's mother? We'll see in a minute. So, but simply, the Medrash says, referring to the Jewish people. Believe it or not, Jewish people are called Hashem's daughter, or also called Hashem's wife. And at times, Hashem says, You are my mother. So, we, when we got married to Hashem on the day of Matan Torah, we gave Hashem a crown. And that crown, that's called Melech Shalom Shaloim. But we know that whenever the Torah, whenever these these Chazal are speaking, even though they're speaking in Nigla, the revealed part of the Torah, in every word of them is contained the deepest mysteries and the deepest secrets. 
When we say Melech Shalom Shaloi, the king who pieces to him, particularly we're referring to the level of God referred to as Teferis. What do we mean by that? We said before, Chesed, Gevura, Teferis are the three godly emotions. Teferis, is the, we said before, is the torso, is the middle. And that's called Melech Shalom Shaloi. Why? Because we said before, what does Teferis do? It harmonizes between Chesed and Gevura. To harmonize two things is called shalom, it's called peace. Teferis means beauty, and beauty comes from a mixture of different facets, different colors. So Teferis is called Melech Shalom Shalom. And we say that Teferis, Melech Shalom, the divine emotions, are wearing tefillin. One more, one more important thing it says when we put on tefillin, God also puts on tefillin. So what does that mean? What that means is, in the supernal structure, the divine intelligence, the divine intellectual spherot attributes channel down powerful illumination into God's emotions. That the emotions are illuminated with the intellectual awareness. When that happens by God, and we channel where to fill in, some of that, a tiny little, little, little crumb of that light enters into our neshama, empowering us to have great intellectual awareness, but more than all that, it shouldn't stay in the head, it should channel down into the heart. So that's the chibur, that's the attachment. So tefillin is called a crown. And the mother of Melech Shalom Shaloi, the mother of Teferes, who's the mother? Chachma and Bina is father and mother. So Bina is the mother. So tefillin is really the, the moichen, and we said before, Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is primarily the mochen coming from Chachma. Rashi's tefillin is mainly the mochen coming from Bina. So therefore, what does the Pasuk say? Ba'atara in the crown, imai, that his mother gave him. That means the influence from Bina coming to Chachma, that's the tefillin. So tefillin of Rashi is Bina energy going down to Shlomo. What was Rashi's name? Shlomo Bar Yitzchak. Now, even though tefillin energy can also come from the right side, from Chachma, but since Rashi is Shlomo Bar Yitzchak, therefore he sees the tefillin, and his energy of tefillin that he most identified with is the moichen of mother of, of Bina, which is Yitzchak's moichen, and that coming down to Shlomo, Shlomo Bar Yitzchak. Rabbeinu Tam, whose name is Yaakov, and Yaakov is deriving mainly from Chachma, Yud Ekev, Teferis, but also from Chachma. So therefore his energy gives us Rabbeinu Tam Tefillin, which is the Moichan of Abba, the Moichan of Father, of Chachma, which we said before is not obligatory because it's so lofty. Rashi's Tefillin, however, is an obligation because in Bina the energy is more fixed and more defined. And now from Yitzchak, which is the, which is the root of Gevura and, and Bina, comes to Shlomo, Melech Shashalim Shalai. Now we'll also understand the halacha of why, of why Yitzcha, of why um, uh, Rashi's tefillin has Shema first, and then Vahoyim Shemaya, and Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin has um, Vahoyim Shemaya first, and then Shema. The difference between these two parshiyos, Shema and Vahoyim Shemaya, is as follows. When you're reading the Shema, it's all about love. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Boom. It's all love. There isn't, there isn't one harsh word in Vahafta. When you read Vahayim Shemaya, 
if you're going to listen to my commandments. So first, it's very nice. Love God with all your heart. And then start, God starts getting very tough with us. Be very careful. Maybe you won't listen. You'll go serve other gods. And then you'll bow down to them. And God will get angry. So you see, so in Kabbalah it says that Parsha Shema is Chesed energy. And Parsha's Vahoyam uh, Shemaya is Gevura energy. This is Chesed and this is Gevura. And we need both to be a Jew. You need Chesed and Gevura, which is love and fear. Question is, which one is dominant? Is the Chesed dominant or the Gevura dominant? And a Jew, generally. A Jew can have two approaches. A Jew, there can be a Jew who is primarily motivated by fear. I don't mean fear of punishment, fear of God, awe. And there can be a Jew who is primarily motivated by love of Hashem. So it depends to which, being that we said before, it's the parents who create the children. And we said there's two types of children. There's a boy or a girl. Boy is, is, is chesed and girl is, is gevura. In general, people don't always associate that. Women are, far, are generally far more gevuradic. More, because women are all about structure and, 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 and details. Again, it's hard to generalize, but the spiritual energy of the masculine soul is a more chesedig energy. Spiritual energy of a woman's soul is a more gavur. That's why it says by a woman, isha yira sashem, a woman that fears God. By a male, it says zachar chastoi. He remembers his kindness, but it uses the word zachar, which zachar means male. That chesed is, is masculine. Now, here's an interesting thing. When it comes to father and mother, um, in the creation of a boy, the mother ha- plays a greater role. When in the creation of a girl, the father creates a, greater, a, 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 a more power. is the dominant one. It has to do with what the Gemara says, Ishmazriya Tchila Yoldas Nekeva, Ishmazras Tchila Yoldas Zachar. If a man is Mazriya first and gives seed first, then it will be a girl. If the woman is the one who gives seed first, whatever that means, it will create a boy. So there is a. In general, we also see an interesting thing that a father has a special affection for his daughters, loves all his children. Well, like the expression goes, daddy's girl. And a mother has a special connection to her son. Um, a mother is more, has a deeper soul connection to her boys than her girl. It crosses. So therefore, it works like this. In Rashi's tefillin, since the dominant energy is the mochen of ima, of mother, for that reason, the emotional reaction that will come out of it is going to be predominantly male more than female. It's going to be a predominantly chesed more than gevura. That's why the order of the tefillin is going to be which emotion comes first. Vahafta is first, and vahayim shemaya, which is fear, is second. In Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin, since the predominant channeling of Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin is from moichen the Abba, from the mochen of father, from the masculine energy of the, the up there, from the transcendental energy of Chachma. Chachma's energy produces primarily the first emotional reaction to that is fear. The reason is also because, as we said before, Bina is more information. Chachma is more an experience. Chachma is like, there's, there's a revelation. It's like the thing itself is revealing itself to you. And Bina is more of a study of it. So when you're studying God, in your mind, you get an appreciation of him, you get excited, you want to get close. But when you have an encounter with God, if God parts the curtain and suddenly you see him, you freeze in fear. 
So therefore, Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin, which is related to Chachma, which Chachma is a flash of godly revelation, it produces first the Vahoyim Shemaya, the fear, and then you will have the love. In, the, in, in Rashi's tefillin, it's first love and then fear, first Shema, then Vahoyim Shemaya. So this is just a little insight from Rabbi Levi Yitzchak in this concept of tefillin. Now I'd like to add another one of his thoughts regarding the same also tefillin, but this also goes along the lines of this, but stunning. The Gemara says, regarding the tefillin, I'm sorry, regarding Purim, it says, Yehudim, we all know that Purim, we say in the Megillah, Yehudim to the Jewish people, Hoysa Oira was light, the Sasain, the Simcha, the Yakar. And, and, and joy and gladness, or gladness and joy, the Yakar. And the sages say, Oira means, after the miracle of Purim, there was light. Light means Torah. That means there was a tremendous enhanced Torah learning amongst the Jewish people, or as we know, the Jewish people re-accepted the Torah on Purim. Sason is Mila, the circumcision. Simcha, I don't remember what the sages say about that. And then finally, the Yakar, these are Tefillin. Eilu Tefillin. That means that there's a special connection of Purim to Tefillin. What's the relationship of Purim to Tefillin? That's his question. So he answers an amazing thing. Based on what we just said, that the whole idea of Tefillin is to illuminate the emotions with the light of the intellect, with godly intelligence. Hamshachas HaMochen. You're drawing the Mochen down into the You're connecting your brain to your heart. First illuminating your brain with powerful godly illumination. But hopefully the idea is to pass that emotion, that, that, that intellectual information from the brain, from the intellect, and that into the emotions, that the emotions are informed and enlightened. And therefore, our, all of our excitement is to that which is worthy to be excited about and that is to God okay so that's the idea of tefillin so he says well that's mamish the whole concept of Purim introduction the idea is as follows there's something called um, katnos and there's something called godless katnos means immaturity constriction limitation when you're small and you're ignorant godless means expansion Broadness, understanding, and so on and so forth. Kabbalistically, it says, going back to tefillin for a moment, that the idea of tefillin is hamshachas hamoichen de gadlos. And what that means, translated into simple, simple words, would mean simple idea. Before you put on tefillin, means when you wake up in the morning, you're in a very immature place. You're very narrow-minded because our natural consciousness is very narrow. We see the world as just a natural life. Me, me, you, you. The world around us. Everything is constricted. Everything looks just like a physical existence with these particular parameters of my existence. And if I find myself in a situation where I feel like I'm in trouble, I get nervous, I get scared, I get anxiety, and so on and so forth. But what's the point of davening? What's the point of putting on tefillin? What's the point? Is to bring ourselves to an expansion. So you wake up and you, know, you daven, you say prayer, and you put on the tefillin and so on and so forth. You start expanding your mind. You start realizing the world is not what it looks like. There's something much deeper. God is behind it. And that nature doesn't really have power. And that Hashem is controlling nature. And that Hashem can meddle with nature. And Hashem cannot just meddle with nature. can suspend nature. Hashem can transcend nature. And Hashem can do... And suddenly you're filled with a powerful awareness of God. And that causes a broadness and openness in the person. You're not in constriction. In a sense, that's called Yetzias Mitzrayim, going out of Egypt. Because when the Jewish people were in Egypt, the Jewish people, Egypt means constriction. When the Jewish people were living in Egypt, Egypt was a culture that worshipped nature. They only saw nature. They knew nature. They recognized nature was the only reality to them. And um, going out of Egypt, 
meant going out of a system of nature. One of the things we see in Parshas Ekev, in this week's Parsha, Hashem tells to the Jewish people, the land that I am bringing you is like Eretz Mitzrayim. It's not like the land of the land of Egypt where you receive your sustenance from the Nile River. But I'm bringing you to a land, Eretz Toiva Rechava, I'm bringing you to a broad land. See, so use the word broad, opposite Mitzrayim, which is narrow. And it's what? You're going to drink your, 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 your water, you're going to drink from the, the rains of heaven. What's so good? In a sense, you would think it's better to live in a land where you have a river. But that's the whole problem. In Egypt, they lived based on a natural system. Their irrigation, which is their source of food and everything, came through a river. And the river was constant. So you, they lived in a very natural world and they didn't recognize there's something beyond nature. Came to the land of Israel, there's no river. There's a Yardin River, it's not, it's not a water supply. A real water supply, they have to lift their eyes up to heaven and seek the involvement of the transcendental. They have to seek the involvement of the Abishter himself that's beyond nature. And a Jew knew, if I will obey the mitzvahs, if I will do the mitzvahs, Hashem will give me rain. If I won't do, Hashem will withhold my rain. And you know what? A big storm could be coming and all my neighbor's fields will be rained upon and my field will not be rained upon because that's what can happen. It says in the Pasuk, I will make rain on one city, or on another one I won't make rain. Or even on a field it says so in the Pasuk. So you see that the point of here, living in Eretz Yisrael means living in direct contact with God that transcends nature. Mitzrayim is nature, constriction, and the like. Now these two systems of nature and beyond nature is, which is sometimes referred to as nature and miracle. Miracle means that anything can happen. You're living in a world of miracles. There's no, you're relying on Hashem and even, and even if the doctor said so or so or the financial uh, advisor said so and so and everybody's giving you a bleak and dark whatever or based on any other cheshben and calculation you're stuck in whichever situation you might be the idea of, of miracle means that anything can happen so it says like this these two powers of God are associated with two names of Hashem nature is also created by God but nature Hashem systemized his energy flow to flow in a certain repetitive stiff Way, this is the way it is. And that's related to one of Hashem's names called the name of Elohim. The name of Elohim is where God, because Elohim means tzimtzum, contraction. Hashem contracts himself to a certain system. And Elohim is Gematria Hateva. It's Gematria 86. Hateva, the nature. Okay? Miracles come from the name Yudke Vavke, which is the Tetragrammaton, which is Hashem's as Hashem is beyond time and space. Hashem is past, present, and future, all unified as one. So He's above time. So Elohim is the source of time and space, and all the rigidity that comes with time and space. And Avaya is that infinite flow with infinite possibilities where miracles happen. So that's why we find, let's go back to Paro a moment. Paro was the king of Egypt. Paro is, is, says, Lo yodaiti as Hashem. I don't know Yudke Vavke. He knew the name of Elohim, that he knew. Yosef told him, Elohim yane eshlom paro. Elohim will answer the, 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 the will, 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 you know, will, will answer the peace of paro, whatever. So paro didn't protest to Yosef. Oh, why are you mentioning Elohim? Paro knew of a God, but to him God was a God that's limited to the forces of nature. A God that's the source of nature, but only bound by nature. The whole point of Yetzirah, and what happened by Yetzirah Mitzrayim, Hashem 
wanted us to know that there's a power beyond nature, and that's the power of Havaya. Yudke Vavke. And that's why by all the miracles, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes to him, he says, You will know that I am God, I have no limitations. But here's an amazing thing. In miracles, there are two forms of miracles. There's the miracles of Yetzirah Mitzrayim, where Hashem pushes nature to the side. In other words, Elohim is dismissed, and in the place of Elohim comes a revelation of Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke, transcendental, infinite light of God. And anything can happen, you know, split the sea, the water, the Nile turns into blood, becomes dark during the day, frogs are popping out of the wall, lice is coming from the floor, everything, sticks are turning into snakes. I mean, the whole thing is just a haywire because there's no system. It's all beyond, only what Hashem wants is rules. That is Havaya, a display of Havaya, but what happened to Elohim? Elohim was shut down. Elohim was, so to speak, moved to the side. Then there's other kinds of miracles. The miracle that happened in the story of Purim, where it was spectacular, it was miraculous, but the miracle, divine intervention, was all camouflaged and it slipped into the world through a, in a natural setting. It was a king and a drama taking place in the palace. And it, you look at each individual part, you don't even see the miracle. When you put it all together, the whole long story, whatever, it took two, three years, or maybe a few more years, that five-year period, you see a spectacular story unfolding, which couldn't have happened. You see God is the one pulling all the strings and doing everything. What does that mean? There is a nace, but the nace is mislabesh beteva, as enclosed in nature. That means that the name of Avaya is enclosing itself in the name of Elohim. Elohim is not moving away. Havaya is entering into Elohim and loosening Elohim. Elohim is not so rigid, constriction, constricting, divine, obscuring. Hashem is poking holes in Elohim and allowing you to see Hashem behind the, the curtain. So the Havaya is shining through Elohim. In other words, what does that mean? Elohim, Tzimtzum, is Moichen Dekatnos, is where everything is constriction. It's called Moichen Dekatnos. Small, immature, because things are very, you only see narrowness. Havaya is Moichen Degadlos, the broadness, the infinite, the, the boundless. Havaya and Elohim together is the Hamshacha from Moichen Degadlos into Moichen Dekatnos. And what did we say is Tefillin? Tefillin is all about, what, that's by the way interesting halacha, the reason why you're Tefillin you start wearing when you become an adult, when you're a god, when you're cutting, you don't wear Tefillin. Because the whole idea of Tefillin is to draw down the Moichen Degadlos, the expansive Moichen, into the Moichen Dekatnos, into the narrowness. That's why Purim and Tefillin are the mamish, the same idea. And therefore, he says an amazing thing. How many mochen are there? There are three mochen of Havaya, and there are three mochen of Elohim. Again, Elohim is immature mochen, that's small, and Havaya is expansion. Why three mochen of Havaya? Well, we said before, Chachma Bina Das. And the three mochen of Elohim. Where do we find the concept of the three mochen of Elohim? Three powers of Tzimtzum, of the mochen of Elohim? Well, in Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim means narrow, and Hasidus a lot of times associates the narrowness to when we look at the body we see the most narrowest part of the body is the neck so the neck is called Mitzrayim and that's also the reason um, why Paro who is the king of Mitzrayim the letters of Paro if you rearrange them is Ha'oref Ha'oref means the back of the neck so Paro is the king that's the neck and physically as we mentioned earlier what's, what's the idea of being a Mitzrayim that the emotions are stuck. They're not... First of all, there's no, there's, there, 
one that has very, very, very miniature, very immature understanding, very, very narrow understanding. But even a little bit of understanding is not reaching the emotions because the emotions are constricted, constricted by the neck. What blocks the intellect not reaching the emotions because there's a narrow connector, which is the, 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 the neck is a very narrow space through, through which... So it says an interesting thing. The neck is also called, the front of the neck is called garon. Garon is the throat. Garon is gematria. The word garon, let's do it together over here. Uh, Two, reish, 259. So if you take the name of Elohim, which is 86, and you make 86 times 3 is 258. So 258, 259, and we know that in Gamatria, and don't think it's random, there's a deep, deep reason for this that you can add the kolel, you add one more. So 258, 259, same Gamatria, Goroin. Mitzrayim is the narrowness of the Goron. And this also is an interesting idea. These three powers of Elohim, which is the constrictions of the throat or the neck, in which the tefillin need to bridge. Because you take a look at tefillin, you see it's passing the neck. It's going down from the head. And by the way, the kesher of the tefillin is right on the top of the neck. And the two strands go down into the front of the person to reach the heart, to inspire the heart, to bypass the neck to bring the mochen of the head through the neck. Now, by the way, talking about the neck, which is three times at Lokim, you find that Mitzrayim has three ministers. When the Torah tells you the story of Mitzrayim, the three ministers. Sarah Tabachim, he is the charge, the butcher. Sarah Ofim, the baker. And Sarah Mashkim, the bartender, or the, the, the minister in charge over the wine. Or the, the. So these are the three sarim that are mentioned. Why? Because these are the three names of Elohim that constrict and bring about exile. Purim is what? The drawing down of the three Havayas into Elohim. So let's do the Gematria of Purim. Purim is Gematria 333. 333. Yeah, you'll do the Gematria. We're not going to take time to now do it individually, but you can do that. Purim is Gematria 333, which is the exact Gematria of three times Havaya and three times Elohim. Three times Havaya of Yudke Vavke is 26 times 3 is 78. 78 plus um, three times Elohim we said is 258 258 plus 78 258 plus 78 equals three shal- sorry not 333 shalev 336 Purim is gematria 336 Shh. Okay. So, so it comes out that the whole essence of Purim is the yichud of the moichen de gadlus which is miracles Invested in Moichem de Katnas, which are the three Elohims, brings you Purim, Gematria 336. There's an interesting Pasuk in Eov, where it says like this Shalev Hayisi Vayefarfereni. Simply, it means that Eov, Eov was complaining. Shalev Hayisi, my life was tranquil and peaceful. Vayefarfereni, and Nashem has like scattered me. Malashim Pirurim, he turned me into crumbs. He basically took my life down and made it, in a sense, miserable. That's the simple meaning. The deeper meaning, according to what we're just learning now. How Shalev, Shalev is 333, 336, which is the ultimate Yichud of Havaya and Elohim. Shalev, Shin Lamedvav. Hayisi, how did I become Shalev? Vayafarfereni, Farfereni is the word Purim. Vayafarfereni, Hashem has Purimed me. 
He purimed me and turned me into 336, which is the yichud of these. That's why when you take a look at the story of Purim, you see that the first, I mentioned this in a class already earlier, either a few years ago or maybe even this year, we, we did mention it when we gave this year, we spoke about the three boys, Mordechai, when Hama made the decree and he was walking home from his, from holding the papers of the edict, and he was so excited to mail them, he was running to the UPS or to the post office to send out all these letters to annihilate the Jewish people, he saw Mordechai on the street running somewhere. Mordechai was chasing after three little boys that were coming out of, shul, uh, out of school. Mordechai stopped these boys and he asked them, tell me your psukim. And these little children, each one gave a pasuk to Mordechai. One of them said, don't be afraid of a, of a fear. The other one said, Utsu eats of a sufar. Um, they make uh, advi- uh, plans, they scheme schemes, but it's going to be annulled. And the third one says, Anihu, uh, that, Anihu, I, I am the same God and don't worry, I'm with you. When Mordechai heard that, he turned to Haman and he said, I'm not afraid of any of your decrees and so on and so forth. So you see that this meeting of these three boys was the beginning of the miracle. Why did Mordechai meet three and why did he test with three children? Because Mordechai realized that a time of extreme constrictions of the name of Elohim are now happening. That's why there's a decree against the survival of the Jewish people. Nature is ganging up against God's people. These are the nations of the world. They're part of nature. They're ganging up to cut off the Jewish people. That's why he asked three children. Because children are mochen dekatnos. These are the names of Elohim. These are small. But these were children that were going out mibesa sefer. They were coming out of school. Why do children go to school? They go to school so that they can broaden their minds and their knowledge. So school is all about elevating the moichen dekatnos into moichen dekatnos, or drawing down, expanse. And that's why you ask them, tell me your pasuk that you learned. And each pasuk that they said was bringing down another havaya into the name of Elohim. And that's where the miracle of Purim came about. That's why Mordechai, what does he respond? After he hears that, he right away sends to Esther and he says, make a three-day fast and daven. And he says, fast day and night. So what's the point? Why does he emphasize? Day and night. The three day fasts were in order to plead and to beg that Hashem should send the delivery by downloading, by giving us the three yutkevavkes, the powers to enter into the Elohim and to open up those constrictions and allow, as we said before, the miracle that's within nature to fully manifest. And that's why he says night and day. Because nighttime is referring to is Midas Agvura, is Moichen Dekatnos, the time of uh, the name of Elohim, constriction, darkness. And day represents the name Havaya, Yutke Vavke, that's higher. So it's to connect the day to the night. And that's the reason why what happened as, right, after, right after the miracle of Purim. Oh, by the way, one more thing. And that's why, what, what do we get as a result of Purim? We get the Megillah. We read the Megillah. And we're obligated to read it by day and by night. What's Megillah? Megillah is Gematria 78, Mem, Gimel, Lamed, Hey, Gematria 78, which is three times Avaya. Reading the Megillah is we're calling for the three Yudkei Vavkes to descend into Elohim, should be godly revelation in the constrictions of this world. Now let's take it a step further. Um, the, the uh, hold on, that's Megillah. This will... Is that thought finished or did I leave something out? Hold it. So Megillah we read. So we unify. Oh, and that's why right after the miracle of Purim, we end up with Tvilin. Like, who the Moisa Oira Vesasim Vesimcha Vakar Vikar Tvilin. Because that, in other words, now we can really wear Tvilin. We can appreciate the Tvilin. The Tvilin has a whole new light to them. 
because it's the hamshacha. That's what tefillin is, unifying the three mochen de gadlus into the mochen de katnos, into the constrictions. This will also explain something very, very special. The way the Torah refers to tefillin is totafos. Very interesting word, a funny word. Totafos, what is totafos? So the sages say there's no word totafos in Hebrew. Totafos is compiled from two words. One of them is from two different languages. Tat comes from the language called katfi, and pas comes from the language, African language. But Africa, in Africa, pas means two. So it's two and two representing the four the four compartments or the four partials of tefillin. Okay. So obviously it's a deep secret over here. So we're not going to focus on the tat. We're going to focus on the pas in this, in this thought related to what we just said. Pas in African means two. But what's the idea behind it? Um, pas means bread. Another word for bread is lechem. We have two words for bread. Lechem and pas. Like we say pas Yisrael, right? Pas. So now, let's see. Bread, when we eat bread... Um, it nourishes us. But primarily, bread is a food for the brain. A lot of people want to knock out carbs from their diets. It's all very nice. <laughs> but it's, it, 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 for the brain, bread in particular, grains are very important. Why are they important? Because they, the, 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 I guess the carbohydrates you break in today's science is, is, is you Chazal say that a child does not know how to recognize his parent, his father, until he eats grain. Nursing doesn't help him for that. He needs to eat bread. Because bread primarily has the energy from the mayach of chachma. That's why he doesn't know how to call father. He nurses from his mother, he gets ema, he gets his mayachan of ema. But for the father, he needs to eat bread. Now lechem is gematria 78. It's the three times havaya. So when you're eating bread, you're not eating bread. You're eating three times yudke vavke. God is enclosed in that bread, the mochen of the divine intelligence, and it's bringing mochen de gadlos to a person. Now he says the same thing as the word pas. Because if pas is another word for bread, it also has to have the same secret. Pas is gematria 480, tough pay. 480, he says, this is an amazing thing. He says, is one of the ways of yutke vavke, one of the ways of doing a gematria, it's called, Kabbalah, Kabbalah speaks, mentions this, it's called yutke vavke bahaka. Bahaka means... You take the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay and you com- you create two words yud hay and vav hay okay two separate words and you times the two letters double each one by each other you means you do yud times hay and hay times yud and then you do vav times hay and hay times vav and you add it together and you have a gematria so let's see what they are yud and hay is fifty yud times hay and then hay times yud is another fifty is a hundred vav times hay six times five is 30. Another 30 is 60. Together, 160. Together, it's 160. So Yudke Vavke, according to this gamatri, is 160. But you have to do it three times because we want to draw down three times Yudke Vavke. The three mochen. So if you do 160 times three, is 480. So pass is also Yudke Vavke, but it's the Yudke Vavke in this way. So hear this amazing, crazy idea. Um, when, when, um, when we went out of Egypt we spoke earlier when we went out of Egypt we, went, we came out of constrictions and where did Hashem take us? to a Eretz Toiva Rechava Hashem took us to a land of broadness of great expansion as opposed to Mitzrayim which is Moichem Dekatnas right? he said when did we reach the ultimate expansion when they built the Beis Amigdash? 
When did the miracles kick in? That you can literally sense and feel God, the transcendental, and not stuck in nature when we had a base on Migdash. Till then, it was not. So it's interesting. In, in, in Malachim, it says as follows that Shlomo Melech built the first base of Migdash 480 years exactly after the Jewish people went out of Mitzrayim. And it doesn't, it's not a calculation, it's stated a befeirish in the Pasuk. That Shlomo Melech was before 400 years and 80 years from when the Jewish people went in Mitzrayim, the base of Migdash was inaugurated. Why? Because since 480 is the three mochen of Yudkei Vavkei, which is Damshach of Moichen the God, which is the whole idea of going out of Mitzrayim, going out of the narrowness. It took 480 years to fully have the tefillin, to fully have the manifestation, so that we can have the Moichen the Godless and have the four, uh, have, have, those, have that, that expansion, that, 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 that connection to Hashem, the full revelation of Moichen the Godless of Pas. And that's why tefillin is also called Taita Fais. Fais is Pas, because it's, it's in that word Pas is alluded the three Moichen of Yudke Vavke. It's coming down, which also explains one more thing: why, right after we went out of Mitzrayim, the first mitzvah the Jewish people got when they went out of Mitzrayim is the mitzvah of tefillin. Take a look in Parshas Boy. Immediately from all the mitzvahs, Vahayla Oisal doesn't say mezuzah; it says dafka tefillin because tefillin came to us immediately after Yitzchak Mitzrayim. We're getting the hamshach of Moich and the godless. So this is just a little tidbit of hundreds of pages of incredible secrets and unbelievable revelations. Hopefully what this, this does is will enable us to live a little bit higher and live a little deeper and wait with, 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 a, an ascent, with a longing and an impatience for Mashiach because when Mashiach will come we will all be chachamim gedolim. We will all be able to see these unbelievable depth into every aspect of our life and every experience that we do. We will see how bread, when you're eating bread, you're not eating bread, you're eating Yudke Vavke. Imagine what it's going to be like eating. It's not like we're not going to be physical when Mashiach comes. But the spiritual content is going to be so overwhelming and so overpowering that the physical actions are not going to be physical. They're going to be spiritual even though they're in a physical body. And that's the awesomeness. When we merit to see the Geula Shalema, take of a Miyad, now, now, and now.